You're listening to How I Met Your Monster, a podcast that explores the introductions to your favorite movie monsters. My name's Zach. I'm Danny. And I'm Casey. And together we dive into the world of horror to find out how filmmakers have introduced us to our favorite monsters time and time again. This is How I Met Your Monster. We came. I met him 15 years ago. I, I was told there was nothing left. Who are you? Explorers in further regions of experience. Demons to some, angels to others. Can't hear me, Welcome to a brand new episode of How I Met Your Monster. If you're not already subscribed to the show, make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you find your podcasts. And uh, and if you want to stay up to date with all the latest in the horror world, Fangoria has got you covered. With four decades yeah. of horror under their belt, Fangoria is everywhere. They're in print. They're on the internet. They make movies. They make podcasts. They make movies. They have merchandise. Yeah, they made uh, a whole bunch of movies. They got... Puppet Master, The Littlest Reich, which is oh, so fun. Okay. I fucking love that movie. Interesting. Nazis. I think they had a hand in Barbarian as well. Oh, okay. But they've got a slew of movies uh, that they've had their hands in. And I was actually pulled into the horror fandom as a child through Fangoria. Used to find myself in the little magazine stand in the bookstore. Mom was off reading books. I was looking at Blood and guts. Yeah. I wasn't super young when I got into Fangoria. And um, when I moved to Florida when I was 18, I worked at a shoe store that was just down the way from a Barnes & Noble. So on my lunch breaks, I would go to Barnes & Noble and sit in there for half an hour and read Fangoria. And I bet all of the employees Uh hated me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that horror chick's back. Yeah. I would always get a green tea and read Fangoria. That sounds like a perfect... Great. Perfect afternoon. It does. I used to only see Fangoria like in the movies. Like there'd always be like a, a horror movie where a character's reading it. So I uh, always associated like horror movies and Fangoria were always synonymous, like kind of subconsciously growing up. Mm-hmm. So as I got older, I was like, I need to read Fangoria. And yeah. I do. I'm a subscriber. I freaking love them. I'm looking at my Fango stack as we speak. Their print editions are so satisfying. I love them. They've got the the smooth cover, the thick pages. Two C's. Yeah. Two C's. Nice, thick, thick, nice thick. printing. The color and the blood just like pops off the page. I think what's nice is it's four issues a year. Mm-hmm. So they really lean into the quality Quarterly. over quantity, which really pays off. Yeah. They just each each issue just make, it makes it feel like each issue just feels really special. Yeah. You know, as a horror fan and just as a physical media connoisseur. And I know you guys are out there. It's fantastic. Mm hmm. Yep. It's a breath of fresh air. So if you don't already have a subscription to Fangoria, today is your lucky day. Why? Just go to Fangoria.com, grab a subscription, and then any other cool stuff you want to put in your cart. They got hats, shirts, other magazine, old editions of Fangoria. Uh, just put all that in your cart and enter promo code How I Met Your Monster, and you'll get 20% off your whole order. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'll repeat it for those in the back. <laughs> Just go to Fangoria.com and enter promo code How I Met Your Monster at checkout and you'll get 20% off your entire order. 
Oh, I heard you that time. Got it. <laughs> Good. We'll even put a link in the show notes and you can go there because it's easier. So do not scramble around getting all your horror news and information from unreliable sources like that drunk guy riding his bike around the gas station at midnight. Go to Fangoria.com today. You know that guy? You, yeah, see, you know. You've gotten information from him before that turns out not to be true. You can like the guy. You can know the guy, but don't look at him as a source for horror entertainment. Right, right. Let Fangoria do that for you. Go to Fangoria.com, enter promo code How I Met Your Monster for 20% off, and you will thank us later. Today, we're kicking off a brand new triple feature. About a monster that is very, very real. Of course, the monster that I am referring to is car trouble. Who's not scared of car trouble? I'm not. I pay the extra $6 of my insurance for roadside assistance. Oh, look at you being prepared. Yeah. Have I you always had have. to use it? Yeah, because I'm a girl. So. <laughs> Wait, you're... You come prepared because you're a girl or you've had to use roadside no. assistance because you're a girl? I had to, both. I oh. had to use roadside <laughs> assistance because I'm a girl. So um, I know how to change my tire, but I'm not going to do it. Just don't want to. So. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah, I'd call roadside assistance to change a fucking yeah. tire. I can do it, For but sure. who wants to? Especially if it's exactly. raining. Yeah. But anyways, to get us into gear. Huh? Oh, look at what huh? you did there, sir. We're starting off with Stephen King's directorial debut and swan song, the 1986 horror movie, Maximum Overdrive, starring Emilio Estevez. Danny, do you want to give us a rundown real quick on what this movie is about? A brief synopsis? Freaking yeah. Freaking yeah. Let's do it. Um Maximum Overdrive, um, as you had mentioned, Zach, is directed by Stephen King, his only directorial feature. Um, It's based on a short story, well, loosely based on a short story that he had written called Trucks, um, which is literally what the movie is. It's about a bunch of trucks that come to life after a comet called, is it Ray M? Yeah. Basically um, crosses paths with Earth over the course of like eight or nine days. Um, and it mysteriously makes all machines become sentient beings. They're like transformers that don't transform. Um, but uh, yeah, it's from the book of shorts called Night Shift, which actually includes quite a few um, iconic Stephen King stories that were also adapted into uh, movies or TV series. One of which is the new Rob Savage movie Boogeyman. Uh, there was also Graveyard Shift, Children of the Corn, Sometimes mm-hmm. They Come Back, The Lawnmower Man, The Mangler, Gray Matter, and Jerusalem's Lot, which was adapted into the series Chapel Wait. Oh, cool. With Adrian Brody. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, the plot is pretty simple. Emilio Estevez stars. Um, but there is a big emphasis <laughs> on ACDC, which was Stephen King's is was his favorite band um yeah. yeah a lot of fun little choices that we'll be getting into a lot of fun creative choices but uh i want to who wants to do this uh stephen king line reading <laughs> hey get over here this machine just called me an asshole 
Honey, come over here, sugar buns. This oh, machine just buns. called me an asshole. <laughs> I love Stephen King, but good lord. I know he was going through something with this movie, but to have to like feel like you well, can he doesn't put like yourself, this movie. I know, but right. like, and I know there was like he was going. There was an era in his life that was, you know, he was growing. Not to speak for him, but well, is this? Like, I mean, yourself, is this where he was like all doped up on coke? Like that's for, what I had heard, just constantly. Yeah, that's. I don't know if okay. that was like yeah. just alleged or just confirmed. I mean, it feels pretty. You know. Yeah, the movie kind of speaks for well, itself. Well, like he doesn't even remember writing Cujo. Like that's crazy. That's wild because Cujo is a really good book, um, and you would mm-hmm. think the book that he wouldn't remember because of drugs would be something like this movie. You know, where it's just like so out there. But like Cujo is actually right. a really beautiful story. Yeah, I feel like it just gets remembered for being about a killer dog, but it's about. I mean, you've seen the movie, like this broken relationship, your relationship. We have seen it. Yeah, mother and her son, and. We covered the movie. We did. Yeah. You should check it out, listeners. It's yeah. episode something or other. Yeah. Episode. Uh, this or that. 40. This or that. Um, all right. Okay. You, do you need a line reading or do we want to all take turns auditioning? Oh, let's audition. Okay. Yeah, audition okay. for the role of Stephen King's cameo. <laughs> take one. Uh, Danny, action. Action. Oh, wait, wait. Honey, come on over here, sugar buns. This machine just called me an asshole. <laughs> Nailed it. All right, Casey, give us your best Stephen King cameo line reading. As Stephen King or as a different character, whatever you want. Nobody, There's no rules. Okay. Honey, come on over here, sugar buns. This machine just called me an asshole. She Nailed even it. got close <laughs> to the screen. He's looking in the ATM machine. That was right. perfect. I think just for like taking an extra step as an actor. Uh, Thank you. I, I think that. Uh, Wait, that let's not. You got let's, let's not. Get, oh. we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves. I would like to try one more attempt. Danny, don't be jealous. <laughs> I would like to do the performance to audition the performance at Stephen King as Adina Menzel. <laughs> Honey, come on over here, sugar buns. This machine just called me an asshole. Do you know anything about Adina Menzel? <laughs> yeah, she has like a musicality to her voice. <laughs> yeah. Wait, yeah. is she the one that sings fucking Frozen or something? Yeah. Yeah, she's also Alphaba and Wicked, which is like mm, I was trying right. to hit the, the like let it go, let it ever. go in my tone. <laughs> And in my opinion, I nailed it. Mm. Wow, you you're toned up, Wait, man. Oh. That is that's crazy. <laughs> this is this is Kira Knightley as Stephen King's cameo. Okay. Honey, come on over here, sugar bands. This machine just called me an asshole. <laughs> I love it. Zach, do you what do you have? I don't have any characters. Who could I do? I got one. This is Christopher Walken (laughs) (laughs) as Stephen King's cameo in Maximum Overdrive. Honey, uh, come on over here, uh, sugar buns. Uh, This machine just called me an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) I want the ravioli with my dinner. Yeah, it was Christopher Walken as an Italian. You sounded like me doing the stepfather as Stephen King. Who am I here? (laughs) Perfect. 
Hey, bada hey. bing. Bada bing. <laughs> what am I? Who am I here? <laughs> um, all right. Well, here is Stephen King being Stephen King in the Stephen King cameo. Honey, come on over here, sugar buns. This machine just called me an asshole. Now, had you guys seen this movie before? Um, yes, I watched it quite a few times when I was growing up. Okay. Three's brothers used to tell me that I looked like Deke. <laughs> the baseball player? <laughs> yeah. Yes. I don't think that I specifically looked like him, um, but I just, I did look like a little boy until I was like 14. You always just dressed up in a baseball uniform. <laughs> yeah. Well, I did wear boys clothes. You know, I was into Blink-182 and stuff, so I wore, like, really long shorts and... Hey, I mean, I get it. I used to dress up in girls' clothes, so to each their own. Yeah. Yep. I was a skater boy. Well, see you later, boy. Well, see you later. (laughs) (laughs) Danny, what about you? Had you seen Maximum Overdrive before? I'd only seen the first half of it. Um... But I do remember listening to an episode of How Did This Get Made? And they did this. So I felt like I kind of watched it um, mm. like vicariously through them. So I kind of knew yeah. all the beats, everything that happened. Um, but never, Wait. I never saw the second half. Really? You hadn't seen this? Well, I don't know why. I, I had watched it a while back. but That's funny because as a kid, I used to watch this all the time. But I probably only saw the ending like twice. And it was always like the first yeah. half that I would watch. Uh, I don't really know why, but uh, I think there maybe like that lull in the middle where they're like refueling the trucks and everything. Um, I mean, it's not really a lull. The whole movie's kind of a lull, but that's okay. You don't like this movie? I enjoy it. It's fun. Yeah, I think the issue is is the the pacing. the The whole concept is really fun. And it's crazy, but I mean, the trucks literally, and I think to your point about the lull in the middle is the cars are literally driving around in circles. So you kind of, it's hard to feel like to build momentum when there's no, you know, it's not driving forward for lack of a better term. Yeah. Why are they doing that? Why are they driving in circles? It's like intimidation or something. Because they're waiting to get them. But it's. Yeah. Odd. They're just driving in circles until they run out of gas, and then they're like, you need to fucking feed us. They could literally drive through the gas station if they wanted to. They do at some point, so like, why wait? It doesn't make sense. I hadn't seen this movie since I probably was, you know, I haven't probably watched this movie for like 16 or 17 years. So I did kind of forget parts of it, and then I got a little distracted, and when they were refueling the trucks, I was like, huh. How did we get here? <laughs> Why would they give them more fuel? Because I just was like, did I miss? Yeah, I well, I was like, did something happen? Is it how is this part of their plan? I don't understand. Yeah, it was the whole Morse code thing. They were like, Re- refuel us, or and we won't kill anybody else. They did Morse code. The little there's like that little truck that comes in that's got a machine gun on it, and it does Morse code. The aliens know Morse code. It needed like one little element of like a really big stake where maybe, and this is probably a stupid idea, but just to like personalize it, like 
maybe like one of the characters is stuck in one of the trucks or something, you know, like there needs to be something that is like, why aren't, you know, they, they know that mm. sewers there, they escape at one point. Like, why do they leave and then like only think to escape later? I don't know. There's nothing like really pushing them. There's no, they're kind of safe yeah. in the gas station. They could just stay there the whole time if they wanted to. So they are, I don't get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my my biggest issue was actually the relationship between Bill and Brett. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it was just um, one for the ages. Real weird. There was a few things I didn't understand. Like, like uh, Brett started out a very confident kind of she doesn't take any shit. And then by the end, she's just there to give Bill um, Amelia Westavez's his character just just there to give him hugs and kisses like it's fucking weird and like <laughs> yeah what does what does he do yeah. that she keeps calling him hero it just comes out of nowhere she's like I yeah he, he didn't do anything special and she just starts calling him hero and then she's like you're a hero you make love like a hero you kill trucks like a hero you're just <laughs> fucking you're a sailing hero I, <laughs> weird I, um, I've been in relationships that have moved quickly and I've, you know, developed feelings early on, but I guess maybe some sort of, uh, weird trauma bonding over, uh, cars that are trying to kill you maybe brought them closer sooner. Cause it was like, you know, they had spent a few hours with each other and they were like going to run. Away I mean, who hasn't trauma bonded <laughs> over killer cars, but they also just like, they were just super awkward. Yeah. Like. They didn't have any chemistry, not a single bit of it. You guys keep just in the last few minutes, you guys mentioned that there was trauma bonding over alien controlled cars. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The cars didn't come to life in this movie. And I don't know why. What do you mean? What did any of the cars take over? Or it was just, Oh, you're saying just the trucks and then other well, there was no, I like, think car, like the cars just like sat in the parking lot and didn't yeah. do it. There were some cars like in one of like the junkyards or whatever, or like, you know, there were a bunch of dilapidated cars that were trying to start. I think that they probably just focused on. Well, first of all, the movie was, or the book was called Trucks. Yeah. My name is Stephen King. I've written several motion pictures, but I want to tell you about a movie called Maximum Overdrive which is the first one I've directed. Wow. What in the dick is going on around here? A lot of people have directed Stephen King novels and stories. And I finally decided if you want something done right, you ought to do it yourself. And who was driving it? I don't know. It was my first picture as a director. And you know something? I sort of enjoyed it. What is going on? I don't know! I just wanted someone to do Stephen King right. You want a war? You got one. I just want to get the hell out of here. So come and spend some time with me and my friends at the Dixie Boy. Spend some time in the dark. Please don't let me in the dark. I'm going to scare the hell out of you. And 
That's a promise. You're going to get us in an awful lot of trouble, man. We already in trouble. Stephen King's Maximum Overdrive. Uh, so the director of photography, Armando Nanuzzi, suffered a he suffered pretty catastrophic damage to his eye because of a decision that Stephen King had made while filming. Um, they were shooting the scene where the lawnmower essentially comes to life. And Stephen King insisted that they use, they actually include the real blades in the lawnmower. And Nanutsi was like, no, you don't need that. It's actually not safe. Um, it's not even in the shot. But King insisted that it was allegedly, as far as what I know, uh, yeah. insisted that for realism's sake that they keep the blades in. Well, anyways, a piece of wood got lodged in the in the blades of the lawnmower, shot out, mm. hit Nanutsi in the eye. He ended up losing his eye. He was taken away immediately to the hospital, lost his eye, which he was supposedly said was kind of his shooting eye. He ended up suing King Dino De Laurentiis, who produced the movie, and a few other people who were associated with the movie for about $18 million. They ended up settling, but it was pretty catastrophic. He did come back to finish shooting the movie, which is says a lot about his character, I guess. Um, uh, but yeah, it was uh, the movie. This yeah. movie is known for quite a few kind of creative, uh, odd creative choices. But that is sort of the dark cloud that kind of looms over it in terms of King's questionable choices, I guess I would say. Yeah. Yeah, lawnmowers mm-hmm. are dangerous. I mean, have they ever seen oh Dead Alive? Apparently not. <laughs> yeah, and like you don't even see the blades in the in the fucking mower. No. Yeah. Yeah, no one would have a clue. It does feel it's it's sad wow. because King, you know, it was his directorial debut, so you could tell he was trying to kind of be a leader and take charge and maybe make bold choices, yeah. but that was that's not the type of bold choice you should make as a director to stand out. That's just not safe. Yeah. And I think when it comes to safety. Yeah. Yeah. That's the worst mistake you yeah. can make on set. It's like make a bad movie. You know, that's, that's purely subjective, but this, the moment you put anyone on your crew and this is with any job, obviously, but like, especially in movie sets that move so quickly when you're putting everyone at risk, it's like, what is the point? Clearly, like the consequences speak for themselves in this movie. Right. And the movie was like, the movie is what it is. And he thought Mm -hmm. that fucking the audience was going to care about the lawnmower lawnmower blades. blades, And like that was going to make or break these lawnmower blades. (laughs) Yep. They're going to make this. They're going to make everything. This is the reason people are going to love this movie. Why that? Why you obsessively like, (laughs) like focus on that? Because, you know, there's a comet with aliens somehow inhabiting all these machines and trucks and stuff. But yeah, there's lawnmower I, blades. He's like, I don't want to People break are the never going to believe this if there's not blades <laughs> right. in the lawnmower. Yeah, there's, exactly. There's enough of it as it is. Exactly. Who would be using a lawnmower with no <laughs> exactly. blades in it? All right. Well, are you guys ready to head to the Dixie Boy truck stop in North Carolina, I think? Yeah, should we should we buckle up first or should we just should we just hoof it on foot to be safe? 
I don't think that in the eighties, anybody really wore their seatbelts. So. True. That's a good true. Yeah. All right. We're going trucking. Okay, so who is the monster in this movie? Is it aliens? Is it the 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 trucks and the things that the aliens take over? Is it the comet? Is it the people? Who is the monster? That's yeah. tough because how do you say that the aliens are monsters? You know, they 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 don't know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, like and it's almost it- like the it's almost like the trucks, it's like the, the comet gave the trucks this power. Well, is it a case of, is it Night of the Living Dead where they kind of speculate what's causing the zombies? Like, is this a zombie case? Like, where instead of humans, it's machines that are becoming the quote unquote living dead? Or are aliens kind of taking control of the machines? Because at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, they talk about how right. the the Russian satellite shoots down a UFO. So, like, clearly there's something hovering within or around this green glowing comet. Yeah. I guess it's, like, the question of, like, what the power of this comet is. Is it just kind of, like, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of breaking my brain a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> Right. Breaking brain. Malfunction. Um, yeah. So here's the, here's the text from the end of the movie. Um, it says two days after everything in the movie occurs, um, a large UFO was destroyed in space by a Russian quote weather satellite, which happened to be equipped with a laser cannon and class four nuclear missiles. Approximately six days later, the Earth passed beyond the tale of Ray M exactly as predicted. So the ending just makes it even more confusing. Instead of wrapping it up, it just throws in like the Russians with like an attempt to do something probably to the United States because their thing was yeah. equipped with nuclear missiles and fucking laser cannons. Oh. And so that brings in like a whole other kind laser. of like oh, this is the fucking 80s and the Russians and the fucking Cold War and all that shit. So confusing. But then it says, so after it shut down, after they shot down the UFO, then it says it still took the Earth six days later to get out of the the comet and everything went back to normal. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, because in the beginning it says it'll be in the comet's on the comet's tail for like nine days or something. Right. Why not just have the movie take place either, either set up the movie that it's only a couple days or have the movie take place over the course of the days that you had already established. It just seems we're getting information (laughs) that contradicts itself for literally no purpose. Yeah. It's a little weird. So it has to be the comet, right? Because if they shot down the UFO, that must have just been a coincidence because if the earth didn't return to normal until six days after that, it just doesn't, it doesn't make any fucking Or was the UFO within the tail of the comet as well? Were the aliens riding the wave of the comet? 
Oh, that's okay. a great question because it this the, the, it says that the scientists basically determine that this comet will move at a pr- kind of a predicted pace. Like we know at the pace that it's at, it will leave eventually, which kind of implies that the aliens would be sort of like, let's use that to our advantage because otherwise why not just stay as long as they wanted to. Right. So, yeah, yeah. I feel like we're getting a lot of layers. We're getting comet. It's like everything um, is sort of aligned at just the right time. We have, we have the comet, we have the UFO, we have the Russians and King was trying to say a lot with this story. Yeah. Maybe he wasn't really saying anything at all, and he was just jumbling a bunch of stuff together. <laughs> yeah. like, you know what? I'm pretty successful. doesn't really matter what the fuck I write. People, right. people are going to buy it. People fucking love me. All right. Well, maybe we'll figure some things out as we That's get through point. the movie. Maybe we'll uh, determine who the actual monster is in this movie. So as we mentioned earlier, it opens up with this Stephen King cameo. He's like, I'm going to have a cameo in this movie. Fuck it. I'm going to be like the first thing you see. <laughs> but the bridge scene. Yeah, that was fun. That is pretty cool. Like oh. that was a, a fun. I hate it. Fun. You hate it. Why do you hate it? Because none of these vehicles have brakes. <laughs> I go up and I have to sit yeah. on a hill that's at that angle every morning when I go to work. I have to stop at a red light and my car is at that much of an angle and there's no issue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not sure why all these cars. I don't want to be nitpicky. I just feel like the scene I think would have paid off if things were moving a little bit more quickly because there was a point where I was like, wait, guys, reverse. The bridge is going up. Just get out of the way. Like get out Just of there. Just get out of the way. Yeah. And then even during the kind of the whole the whole sequence, everything was kind of moving a little slowly, which you could argue is just like an editing thing. Yeah. But I think you needed maybe fewer cars or something, or just like cut it together, like boom, 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 and then have the scene end yeah. in like thirty seconds. Well, yeah. Because it gives you too much because- time to think about how to get out of there. Yeah, and it was it was moving really slow, but then all of a sudden there was just this pile of cars yeah. at the end. You know what I mean? Like it was like m- moving really slowly, but there was nothing actually happening until the very end of the scene when all of these cars were just piled up together. Yeah, and that dude who's like on the on the the breaking point of the fucking bridge, and he like tries to get mm-hmm. the the truck moving, mm-hmm. and then he just like doesn't get out, and he just goes down. Mm-hmm. In the fucking water with the yeah, that's the thing is like we have yeah. too we're lingering too long on things, and that's like the worst thing you could do in like a success a suspenseful sequence. It's right. like get you get in, get out. Like otherwise, the suspension of disbelief is kind of destroyed. But those guys, the two guys who were like mm-hmm. in charge of the bridge, um, did you notice they were playing the same game that? The boys are playing in Stand By Me in the clubhouse at the beginning. Oh, I haven't seen no. Stand By Me in a minute. I assume they are because he says, I knock. I and that's the same this. thing that the kids say. And then mm. fucking <laughs> Chris says, Before I pile a shit, pile of shit has a thousand eyes. <laughs> 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 what? Uh, that's cool. 
But uh, oh yeah, good catch. Yeah, I like the bridge scene. However flawed it is, I think it's fun. Um, but then right after the bridge scene, we see our main quote unquote monster, our villain, the Green Goblin uh, toy truck coming down the street. Um, what a cool, what a cool truck. I mean, <laughs> you don't, you wouldn't see a truck like that, but they it had is. to like give these things like a face, I think. And so they literally gave it a face, which yeah. was fun. Well, it's weird because like, do they ever establish that it's like, I, it, I, I guess it doesn't really matter, but they never like establish that it's the Green Goblin. Right. Right. Like from Spider-Man. No. The, the only, the only indicator is the fact that it, it is a toy distribution truck so you can kind of like they're giving you the sort of like they're not giving you the whole they're giving you the equation but not the sum of it you know it's kind of like implied yeah which is what i'm trying to say yeah but i just wonder why they chose to use the green goblin i see what you're saying and not acknowledge it you know what i mean like yeah right because mm-hmm. i'm sure they had to pay for that right I would think yeah. so. But then they're not even mentioning yeah, the fact. That is a great question of all monsters. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Felt strange. But I mean, I do love it, though. I love the way it looks. Like, why not do something more horror related? Right. If that's if, if if there's no like specific reason, like, why not? Why isn't it like Frankenstein or like Dracula or something? Yeah. I'm sure yeah. like in the 80s, I'm sure that that's just comic books were really big and stuff. So. I was I was kind of thinking like was Green Goblin introduced in 1986 around that time uh, and so he was like big but no um, the Green Goblin was introduced in 1964 so he wasn't even like a new I was gonna say I think thing. it was the 60s yeah and um, Stephen King was a kid of the 50s so it's not like he grew up reading Spider Man comics I mean yeah. Stephen King birthday well. 1947. Spider-Man was introduced 1962. Oh, okay. Maybe maybe that was a prime time then. Yep. All right. Guess that checks yeah. out then. All right, we figured it out. We nailed it, we, guys. We figured it out. We solved the mystery. Well, at any rate, the truck does look cool. It does look cool. Yeah, it yeah. does. And they didn't just like plaster the face on the front. Like if you actually look, the details are actually like kind of really seamlessly blending into. Like the hood of the truck, like the hood, the hood of the goblins. Oh, okay. Hood, <laughs> like bleeds into the hood of the truck and everything. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's they could have fucked that up because it could have been too over the top, but I thought they did it pretty well too. Right, right. You know what else I love about this truck? What's that? It's just odd. always bringing loads of joy. <laughs> Here comes another load of joy. Yeah, like why'd they have yeah. to put that on the side? What is that? <laughs> they love loads in this movie because at one point someone says, I think I just loaded my pants. <laughs> is that so, Curtis? All Does kinds Curtis of loads. All kinds of loads. There's a, yes, there's I think a whole it was scene Curtis. where the guy's pooping and Bill is just listening to him yeah. and talking. To, he literally oh, yeah. peeks over the side <laughs> of the stall to talk to him. I was like, stop. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so we we meet the the happy toys truck, the green goblin truck, and then the guy gets the uh, gas in his face. Yeah, Duncan gets sprayed with diesel fuel. Duncan. Oh man. 
And then they go to heal him, of course, next to the bush wall, which Danny, I'm sure you enjoyed being a straight man (laughs) with all those beavers just hanging out. You said bush wall and I thought (laughs) beer. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Bush wall. (laughs) The bush everywhere. It looked like my dad's garage when I was a kid. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah, that was a little uh, little excessive. That's funny. (laughs) Oh, no, so it was fine. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> totally normal. Um, but then we meet Emilio and and uh, you know Bill, played by Emilio Estevez, and he is definitely what a Chad would have been in the eighties. Oh, he was a he was an eighties Chad. Okay, okay, right? Don't you think? Well, I didn't. I didn't think about that initially, but now that you say but it, he was like a ruffian though, because he has a criminal record. Yeah. Yeah, but he like thought he was really cool and he had the blonde hair and the earring and <laughs> But okay. Definitely so Chad. They don't say his name at first, I don't think, and he just calls him Bubba. Unless I missed it, unless I missed the bill mm-hmm. right at the beginning. And Hendershot, who's the boss of the Dixie Boy truck stop, calls everybody Bubba and Yeah. fucking Emilio's character Bill gets pissed. And then you find out later that Hendershot's first name is Bubba, or that's what he goes no, by. No, he's an egotistical bastard. <laughs> like, what the fuck? He calls everybody Bubba. That's like me being like, hey, Zach, get over here. <laughs> hey, Danny, what do you think? Hey, Danny. <laughs> yeah, he's just a egotistical <laughs> shithead. Man. Zach, yeah. as you were what saying a- that, I was like, wait a minute, isn't his name... Bubba? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, I see. He calls like this. three people Bubba at the beginning <laughs> of the movie. It's just another choice. And we find out that he is just being a fucking sleaze bag of a business owner and hiring mm-hmm. people on parole so that he can exploit them by making them work more hours, but not clocking in for all of those hours. Um, yeah. And just. Yep. Taking advantage of the of the system and uh, yeah, fuck that guy. Fuck you, Bubba. Okay, so we get some initial, a few initial things. We get the uh, video games coming to life and fucking zapping mm-hmm. that dude. We get the electric knife that mm-hmm. cuts Wanda's arm and freaks out, dude. <laughs> when he's smashing that thing with the hammer, all I could think about was fucking Garth. Hitting the hitting that mechanical hand with the hammer in Wayne's world. So we fear change. Uh, <laughs> they definitely went out of their way to show us all of the things coming to life, right? So to speak, right? Yeah. The next thing that comes to life, which is such a memorable scene in for me, I'm assuming it's memorable for a lot of people. If you saw this as a kid, uh, but the Coke machine that's spitting out all the Mm -hmm. all the cans of soda. (laughs) Yeah. I remember being a kid and being like, oh, my God. And I think I remember like (laughs) I think it might have been like my cousin or somebody that was older than me had seen this and he would like tell me all about it. He's like, yeah, there's this coke machine that starts spitting out sodas and this it comes to life and then he would always tell me about the end where deke's got the machine gun and he like shoots the drive-through uh <laughs> the drive-through machine the speaker 
So the memorable part for me was actually the part that comes next with the steamroller. Mm, that Just was fucked. Flattening up. that kid right out. Oh my god, yeah. that was like a fucking trauma movie. Yeah, the fact that it kills a kid it makes it so much more intense. It, yeah, it was very trauma. It was very like Toxic Avenger kind of. Yep. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, and you, you like yeah. you see it, man. They use that. They, they that I mean, uh-huh. for the way this movie is, like for however good or bad it is, whatever you want to think, like that was a good effect. That was cool. They did that really well. Oh yeah, <laughs> Stephen King's like. Nothing we got to use bad. a real kid. Like if we don't use a real kid, the audience is going to know. <laughs> <laughs> yep. The lawnmower blades weren't enough. Yep. That's the last scene that they um, shot just because <laughs> they knew they were going to kill a kid. <laughs> the kid was method though. He was like, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> Anything for the shot. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we need another monster. Uh, the Bible salesman. Oh, dude. Oh, yeah. That guy, um, he's like, and I don't want to get fucking political or religious or whatever, but like, he's like a typical like, stereo. Like, I don't want to, but I'm gonna. Um, just like a stereotypical Honestly? fucking. I don't want to say Christian, maybe Christ, maybe just Christian, but like stereotype. Well, no, it was definitely yeah. it was definitely a social commentary on an overly religious person. Right. Stephen King right. is very open about the fact that he does not believe in organized religion. Oh, right. And I mean, yeah, I would argue. I mean, I can't. He's written so much. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pretend to assume or or no, or pretend to know that he does this in every story. But in most of the stories that I can think of. He directly puts a spotlight on religion and specifically religious zealots who kind of abuse mm-hmm. what what religion could be, you know, in the idea of spirituality as sort of this business rather than, you know, mm-hmm. this greater power that it's supposed to represent. Um, and this guy is literally that. And by the, you know, later, spoiler alert, but later he totally just kind of abandons everything he supposedly stands for. And he's like <laughs> threatening to kill Deke later just to help. Yeah. And even just like when like yeah. the thing's going to get his car and like the waitress is in there and he's like, get out. he's like out of my way, bitch. And you're just like, Oh, look, you were just selling yep. Bibles, man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, and he's saying that he's this wonderful guy, and then he yes, freaks out on Brett because he he's being so nice to her, and she won't let him just touch her and all this kind of stuff. Right, right. So. He's like, I gave you a ride yeah. in my brand new car. <laughs> Who cares if it's brand right. new? Right. Oh my god. And then Brett, who's just there to me. Yeah, Brett. Uh, and um, yeah. I know that we're, you know, talking about monsters and stuff, but I'm just going to say that my favorite part of this movie is Kurt and Connie. (laughs) (laughs) They are, they are like, I mean, I would say that Connie's scream could be classified as a monster. (laughs) (laughs) There's something else like fucking Curtis is kind of like a freak because she's like, oh, Yes, we need to. Yeah, <laughs> we need to stop, and I need to use the ladies. And he's like, "Can I come in and watch?" And she's like, "Yeah, no, like he likes hey, to no watch." Hey, no king shaming. Pe- <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Yes, 
It's yeah. their honeymoon. You're right. No kink shaming. Two consenting shaming adults. Here. You're right. No kink shaming. I apologize. Yep. It's not it's not my thing, but um I can't pee unless I'm being watched, so I get it. Yeah. So I uh couldn't couldn't use public bathrooms at all until like within the last ten years. I had to do that whole thing like in waiting where they they were like cheering them on. I had to like pretend that people were cheering me on because I have a shy shy bladder oh no yeah so. what is that about yeah. humans because i'm the same way i i will like have to pee so bad and i'll be in a public restroom and i just go up to the urinal and i'm like oh my god and then what's worse is you get you start to be like embarrassed you're like yeah oh my god the people near me don't hear pee <laughs> coming out of me which I'm means freak. they think i'm a freak <laughs> and i now i really can't pee and <laughs> oh my god i can't even pee right and I, i'm just gonna leave but now i still have to pee and it's just like a fucking nightmare yeah i don't know but I, I i can do i can pee now no problem i can't take a shit anywhere i can't even take a shit at work i have to be very comfortable oh yeah i learned how to poop in public in 2010 when i drove cross-country to california i remember and i was in situations i remember in 2010 was when i first learned how to poop in public um, I was like, I have to do this. I don't, there's nowhere else to go. Like I have to just be oh, comfortable with this. And then I was like, well, look at me go. Just pooping in public. Good. That's good. I'd hold it for days. <laughs> but if you've got a good, like, if you've got a high fiber diet, you can be in and out like that. It so. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'll sit down and I'll be like, dude, everybody fucking poops. You remember the story. No mm-hmm. one's going to care if I'm taking yeah. a shit. It's part of life. It's yeah. natural. You can do it and it just won't just won't. I mean, I've been like I've held it for so long that it makes me feel ill, but I just can't yeah. shit. Yeah. Uh, you know so. who doesn't have a problem pooping in public? George. Yeah. Who's George? <laughs> but who's George? George is the guy who who poops in this. He's the only pooping character in this movie. I believe. <laughs> I think it's Joe. I was gonna say I don't I don't think there's a George in this movie. God damn it. I think his <laughs> name is Joe. We got Bills, we got Bubba, Deke. Yeah, we yeah. Note and Joe, not George. I almost said it again. <laughs> well, I'm glad we at least had time for a PSA about public pooping. Yes. Everybody poops. Yeah, God, exactly. look at all that alliteration. A P a public pooping PSA. Whoa. Mm, perfect. It yeah. could be a PPSA. <laughs> but that also doubles as a as P like urine pee. Exactly. That's why I did that. That's very clever, Zach. Very clever. Thanks. Well, you know what they say. All pee pee times are not poo poo times, but all poo poo times are pee pee times. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. I remember specifically having a conversation at one of my Oh, okay. We're not done yet. Previous jobs back in New York. And we were talking about this for some reason. And a coworker was like, she was like, oh, I never pee when I poop. And we all like looked at her like, we're like, what? How? (laughs) And she's like, you guys pee when you poop? I was like, how do you not pee when you poop? Like, (laughs) you just do it. (laughs) I can't. (laughs) So anyways, there are some uh, exceptions out there. And now we can. Yeah. Okay. Okay, pee-pee, poo-poo talk with the boys is over. Uh, <laughs> but okay, so back to back to the overdrive. Um, 
Yeah. So mm-hmm. Curtis gets attacked by a tow truck, um, kind of like a Mater style yeah. tow truck. And mm-hmm. that's it. It's, it's not really that exciting. That's it. <laughs> to be honest. And that's when we we get our first kind of like man versus machine and he kind of overcomes it. Right. Yeah. I think that would be the first time that a truck like attacks somebody because Duncan's been sprayed with the gasoline. But that's really not uh, it's not the truck's fault. Yeah. But was that after we. Yeah, that was after Deke, though, was riding through the neighborhood, dodging all kinds of things. Right. Oh, yeah. Or is that no, I think it's no. That might be after the, the uh, tow truck attack on Curtis. Then we see Deke riding through the neighborhood and seeing all the different ways people died, and it's so confusing. Yeah. There's no like set of rules or principles yeah. in this movie because some things come to life and some don't. Like the one dude sitting on his porch and he's got like Walkman headphones yep. on and he's like, <laughs> like it fried his brain mm-hmm. or something. Um, the yeah, one girl yeah. hanging out of the window is like got a blow dryer, but like the cord is wrapped around her neck. So like what happened there? Like, <laughs> I don't understand that. And then the, um, the poor dog, the sprinklers. Oh, oh the I forgot. And the sprinklers. Dog. Yeah. But the poor dog with like the toy cop car in his mouth, like, is that supposed to imply yeah. that like it zapped him and he died or like what? I don't know. Uh, but then we get our, our lawnmower attack, which, uh, Danny, you mentioned earlier is, uh, behind the scenes was a bit of a nightmare. Oh yeah. So after the neighborhood, we see the first time that a truck hits a person is when it, that we see, yeah, that we see. Yeah. Uh, is when it hits, hits Duncan. Well, the steamroller. Oh Yeah. Yeah. But I, but we didn't know that kid at all. So Right. Fuck that kid. He deserved to get run over probably. Fuck um, that kid. He was probably on the losing team of yeah. the baseball game. And so he's like, this is That's what right. you get. That's right. Who gives a f- Not playing your hardest. No participation trophies here. Duncan gets hit by the truck and then the Bible salesman's car gets run over and then he runs out and gets backed into mm-hmm. Uh, we find out later that he's not dead. <laughs> I was having fun watching this movie, but picking it apart, I'm like, eh. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so Curtis and Connie arrive at the truck stop and getting Connie out of the car was so fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs> she's just ridiculous. Yeah, she's screaming everywhere and like she's like she's stuck and then. Somebody else grabs her. You're not my her. Curtis. <laughs> You're not my Curtis. <laughs> Where's my Curtis? Right after Bubba Hendershot, the owner of the Dixie Boy truck stop, comes out with a fucking bazooka. And why did they just not blow up all the trucks? Yeah, it is yeah. a little bit interesting that they chose to just not. The trucks are literally just circling them. Yeah. Yeah. And you get to the end of the movie. We're going to jump ahead real quick. You get to the end of the movie and like there's this big thing where the Green Goblin truck follows them to the marina. And then it's like this big moment where Bill takes the bazooka and shoots him. And then it's all this like, yeah, we won kind of thing. 
but it's like you could have just done this at the truck stop. Yeah, you could have done this hours ago. Which, mm-hmm. You could have done this hours ago, days ago. There's a really <laughs> easy solution to this. They could have just gotten rid of the armory. They could have established that there was this bazooka or rocket or some kind of like something very destructive. And maybe they don't have the pieces to it. Maybe they need to find it. Or maybe, you know, like, I don't know if you you guys have ever used a potato launcher before. But yeah. in a potato launcher, you need to use hairspray. You need to spray with hairspray to kind of get it fired up. So I know very little about weaponry and guns. But, but I know all about a potato launcher. That. We're like, <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot about potato launchers. But what I'm saying is, is like, have a bazooka or something like that. And they need that one little element that gets it working. And it's not until that finale that they're like, oh, we 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 created this makeshift thing, yada, yada, yada. And then boom. And then you have your big, you know, epic takedown yeah. of the Green Goblin. Because you're absolutely right. Like, it's literally just story convenience that they didn't right. do this already. That's it. It, and it kind of takes the wind out of it. Hey, I got a bazooka, but it's on my boat, guys. So, <laughs> told yes. Guess we gotta 100%. guess we gotta go to the boat. <laughs> oh man, I left that bottle of hairspray on the boat. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a bottle of hairspray and a potato launcher well, I, on my boat. <laughs> I've got some potatoes over here. We need to get to the potato field at the marina <laughs> at the hairspray store. <laughs> The hairspray store, yeah. (laughs) It went out of business fast. They only sold hairspray. Um, Make sure you take your tools, too. Don't forget your roll of paper towels. (laughs) Okay, so now this is where Brett starts to kind of like, her character takes like a shift from being like a strong, confident woman to kind of being like, uh, I'm a little too scared and I'm just going to put the fucking... All the I'm gonna put it all in Bill's hands and call him a hero and yeah, yeah. Because in the beginning she's like telling the fucking Bible salesman to fuck off and that he's disgusting and all this shit. Right now she's like, yeah, yeah, oh, um, whatever. And she just doesn't know who she is yet. Well, we don't even know who she is because we start to get this weird backstory where she was like on her way to Florida, and this is where we get our title reading. She says. That's what I was doing before every machine in the world went into maximum overdrive. (laughs) And it's like, I love when they fucking put the title. Now, is that a common phrase? I don't know. With cars or vehicles? I don't know. I've never heard that to be like, oh, shit, my car's in maximum overdrive. (laughs) Well, imagine if they would have called the movie Trucks. And that's when all of the vehicles in the world went into trucks. (laughs) Well, what if we trim it down even more? What is it when a car goes into overdrive? Overdrive. <laughs> yeah, they just call that overdrive. But what, why am I, what my brain is? What, even, what is that? Overdrive. <laughs> There's not another word for it, Danny. That what would just mean? imply that there's <laughs> multiple levels of overdrive. You could have minimum overdrive, overdrive, and maximum overdrive. What's basic overdrive? What is the definition of overdrive? <laughs> It's the highest gear of a transmission. There you go. (laughs) Okay. Thank you. I'm telling you, I don't know anything about vehicles. In overdrive, you're already at maximum overdrive. 
Right, but maximum overdrive doesn't just pertain to cars. <laughs> right, so right. We can't pull over any further. We're already pulled over. We're already in maximum overdrive. We can't get any more maximum. But what was the point of her whole backstory? Like, it, they never explored anymore. They never, like, used that later in the movie to be like, well, I was headed to Florida. Like, let's go to yeah. Florida. It just, like, I it's think- weird. I think they just did a very poor job with any character development. You know, like even their love well, story where yeah. is not developed at all. They just meet each other and then they fuck each other and they're like, oh, we're you're so wonderful. You know, like there's no substance to any of the characters right. in this movie. Yeah. Brett made more sense as she should have been the hero. She should have had Emilio Estevez's backstory of being a convict. You know, like she's sort of escaping from somewhere. Mm. She's trying to get away. That's why she's in the this car was, in the first place. This was the 80s. That makes more sense. They didn't do that before. Yeah. And he's kind of like the lowly, you know, worker at the diner who sort of like also maybe needs to escape, but for a more innocent reason. Because, yeah, why even set that up? I'm that sick of making sense. eggs. <laughs> I got eggs on. Oh, that grill looked disgusting, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then when Wanda goes to take over the grill, it looks like she turned it off because everything is just like wet and there. It's like nothing's cooking anymore. It's just a big mess. Yeah. But yeah, speaking of Wanda, this is where she like freaks out and she has this whole big thing about how we made we made the machines. We made you. Um, Interestingly. This is not where a machine runs her over, but uh, I was going to say that's another character that just is what, who are you? What are you, you know what I mean? Like there, there's no character development in this movie at all. Yeah. Which is interesting. It's like, you're supposed to care about these characters, but they don't give you any reason to care about any of the people in this movie. Yeah, Stephen King is kind of known for having these big ensemble casts of characters. You know, like the first thing that comes to mind is The Mist. You know, it's literally about it's kind of the same concept. It's about a bunch of people kind of locked up in a in a location, kind of very like commonplace location. And they have to deal with this outside force. But that one just gets it. it it's. You couldn't get a better, I mean, you can't, I'm being hyperbolic, but like you couldn't get a better cast of characters with so many distinct characteristics and qualities that aren't only unique, but serve the purpose of the plot. Whereas Mm -hmm. in this one, it just feels like he just took like a shotgun with like characters and just shot it at the screen. And it doesn't, there's no rhyme or reason. It doesn't really serve the plot of the story. It's just, there like we're just okay we may as well fill the space with characters here right (laughs) that's it but yeah and then think about you know the shining and misery and cujo which are very small casts where you do like really care about the characters and you develop i mean you know and and you can really get in depth with who they are and why they are who they are and then there's this i Mm -hmm. guess they just were way too focused on the semi trucks (laughs) yeah (laughs) Um, what Stephen King is is also really skilled at is sort of setting up a horror element or a monster that is kind of like beyond our comprehension or at least not human. And then by the end of the story, you realize that 
the human element is actually much more monstrous, much scarier than maybe mm -hmm. what this other, you know, quote unquote villain is, was it originally established as, which. Right. Yeah. They kind of do here, but not to like the same effect as he's, he's pulled off in other stories. Yeah. I would say in this movie, it's just, everybody's boring. Mm hmm. <laughs> Um, you know what? What what yeah, what kind of what kind of sandwich were they eating after they had sex? Because it grossed me the fuck out. They were eating a sandwich. It was it was like a cake, <laughs> and they couldn't yeah. not keep it off of their oh, lips. It was cake. Yeah, I know. Oh, they were just disgusting. talking to each other while it was on their mouths. I thought they were eating like an egg salad sandwich. It being cake makes me feel Ugh. a little bit better. <laughs> Ugh. I literally wrote, why are they sharing a piece of cake in the grossest way possible? And then in all caps, I wrote, wipe your lips. <laughs> yeah, it was gross and weird. <laughs> so nasty. It was. It's, but like I said, I thought it was egg salad, which yeah, was like, worse. imagine what their breath smells like right now. Yeah. <laughs> no one wants eggy, eggy postcoital yeah. breath. <laughs> We just had sex. You got any eggs? <laughs> you got <any> eggs? <laughs> you know what I like after sex is a bunch of uh, eggs and mayonnaise. <laughs> Some people have a cigarette, but... <laughs> Throw that on a sandwich. We got ourselves a good night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a piece of stale white bread. Yeah, who needs mm. a cigarette? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I hate... I hate... I hate deviled eggs and I hate egg salad. Ah! Oh, they're so good. I can't though. go with the you, bit. I can't even disgusting. go with the bit. It's just it's disgusting. You guys. too much. I don't like mayonnaise. I don't like cold uh, eggs. I don't like hard boiled mm, eggs. Mm, mm, mm. Oh mm, mm. my god! You guys, deviled eggs and egg salad sandwiches. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. No. Yep. Mm, mm, no. So good. Zach's the real monster of this episode. <laughs> I, there's this weird thing <laughs> that I have about picnic food people make like pasta salad and potato salad and they just like put a bunch of mayonnaise in it and then they just let it sit outside in the sun all day mm. and it's just so disgusting yep. you get a little get a little euphoric if uh you eat some old potato salad <laughs> no so <laughs> gross yeah it's like i don't know I how people do it. it i'm so awkward when i go to like outdoor event people are like aren't you gonna eat i'm like no i'll starve thank you <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, do you have like fruit Not salad, interested. like just a mixture of fruit with nothing in it? Yeah, I'll eat that. Yeah, you haven't tampered it, right? Yeah. There's no mayonnaise in the watermelon. Uh, so you know what I really love is the um, relationship that develops between Bill and Curtis. I think it's so fun when they're like going down into the sewer and <laughs> they start mm. like joking with each other and. Uh, it brings like a little bit of light to, I mean, the movie's not that dark, but um, I don't know. Just the fact that these characters can still have fun, can start to have a little bit of fun in this situation is, is fun. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they're like going through the sewer at each trip. Yeah, they're a better like couple than taste. Brett and Bill. Yeah, they are. They are. And then we get the arrival of the machine gun cart, which where the fuck does that come from? How often do you see just a machine um, gun yeah. on a cart that just like rolls up out of nowhere? Because it's never established that they're near like a military base or anything. Because right. I think this is set in North Carolina. Well, mm -hmm. he did have an arsenal of weapons. Oh, do you point. think it was on the property yeah, already? 
Yeah, it may have been. Okay. It makes sense. Yeah. I mean, honestly, they probably didn't even pay attention to that. I probably just figured that out and um, it probably wasn't even part of the <laughs> script or anything. Yeah. Stephen King's going to listen to this episode. He's going to be like, yes, that's what it was. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. He'll be figuring it out with us. So when the this military truck comes in, whether it was there or not already, um, it's pissed and it starts to shoot up the place and we get a bunch of deaths, um, some like randos. And then you get Hendershot gets killed because he's got like the bazooka and he's going to shoot it again. And it's like, nope. Um, and even Wanda gets killed because she goes on this other little uh, we made you speech, which she already did. So I don't know why she does it again, which is a little odd. Why didn't she just do that then when she gets shot? Why'd she have to do it earlier? Uh, but Whatever. Um, and it starts speaking Morse code. And Deke, who has got a merit badge in Morse code, figures it out. And they want fuel, which we talked about earlier, is weird because they just wasted it all driving around in circles. We were talking a lot about, like, what is the source of the quote unquote monster? Like, is it are they powering the things? Which regardless, this movie, Maximum Overdrive, is kind of famous for supposedly being the movie that Stephen King made while he was allegedly doing some recreational drugs, like cocaine, for example, or literally. And then this scene, he's basically, Bill is kind of positioned as the drug dealer for the trucks like the drugs need this fuel to literal fuel to keep them going and he like goes so far as to be like he says like i got the best shit on the east coast practically uncut which you could argue is played for laughs but because king is kind of known for creating these like very on the nose allegories for better or worse and i'm I'm saying that as like a i'm a huge stephen king fan I just didn't understand the connection and what he was trying to say. Like, was this a story about like drones or like being reliant on machines or drug addiction and like aimless, you know, the fact that they're going in circles, it's sort of like this aimless like behavior. So I don't know if you guys had anything to add to that, but I just feel well, like it was I don't such think a that specific point to make that. Yeah. So I thought it was just like, I mean, he explains it in the movie. He says, like, they're not going to shoot me because basically I'm their drug dealer. So they're not going to kill me. So I'm going to go out and just yeah, I can do whatever I want because they need me. Um, yeah. I just found that it was just like, uh, again, nothing is really explained each character has these like weird things that mm-hmm. happen and they never like develop it. So I think it was just one of those things. Cause like, why are the trucks or the aliens or the comet or whatever it is? Like, why are they doing what they're doing? Regard Like, why are they even there? Why are they so aggressive? Is the fuel a means to an end? And what is the end? Well, this gets know. into just, uh, yeah. Bill's weird speech about the broom where he's like, he's so tired from, pumping the fuel and he's like exhausted and I don't know if he's hallucinating or something, but he starts talking about fucking brooms and aliens going to different planets and sweeping up all the shit so that they can Mm -hmm. like take over Mm -hmm. and we're the shit and they're trying to get rid of us and they're the broom. And it was supposed to be like deep and like give meaning to this. And I was just like, 
what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, yeah. It doesn't. So it's, it's weird. Basically, like the idea is we're just like slaves to machinery. There wasn't enough of an established foundation for us to kind of like have a clear understanding of like what the movie's trying to say, which is why yeah. we're all kind of like grasping at things and like, was right. this it? Was that it? Because we, it's impossible to, maybe not impossible, but it's, it's tough. Throughout to the rest tell. of the movie, the tone is not like profound. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. Such a good point. All of a sudden, there's these, there's three profound sentences about aliens and brooms. And <laughs> we're supposed to be like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. But then they just like have this plan that nobody really talks about. And then it just kind of happens. And they blow up the fucking machine gun truck with a grenade. And then they just like take off. He had talked about yeah. going on a boat with Brett to some island that doesn't have cars, but apparently they have no other electronics on this island because whatever. Um, yeah. Well, why aren't boats included? Great question. Oh, it was a sailboat. That's why. There was no motor in it. Okay. I mean, <laughs> because clearly that makes sense. <laughs> but why wouldn't the, the well, other boats come after the sailboat? <laughs> well, um, I mean, another thing is like, if you think about how a bank marquee works, right in the beginning when it says "fuck you," oh yeah, a bank marquee mm-hmm. works completely different than a vehicle because a vehicle is run on with a combustion engine. Mm-hmm. So, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I if maximum overdrive happened today, it would make more sense, right? With Teslas. Mm-hmm. Okay, so wait a second. So on their way to the dock, they stop at a fast food restaurant just by accident. And the machine starts saying, humans here, humans here, humans here. It's so weird. I don't even... <laughs> we all went from really enjoying well, no. this movie to being like, this kind of sucked. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. Okay, Zach, you were... I don't know if this is necessarily where you were going with this, but when the drive through speaker is saying humans here, humans here, it's kind of like establishing the fact that they, first of all, that's not how, that's not how drive through speakers work. There's a human element that speaks through the speaker. Right. But if you're going to go that route where you're kind of giving them a voice, why wouldn't they then kind of do I don't know if you guys have seen the Transformers movies or Bumblebee, but like Bumblebee can't talk. So they do a clever thing where they use songs or radio to kind of channel. It's what it's trying to communicate. Oh, right. And I feel like if you can do that and they don't necessarily have to go that detailed, but if the speaker can talk, why isn't the radio? Why isn't anything with a kind of radio element talking? It just, yeah, it was just sort of felt like a fun little add-on there just wasn't enough consistency i think that's what's confusing us yeah yeah mm-hmm. but uh in a very anti-climactic scene bill kills the green goblin truck with a bazooka that he had all along uh and could have killed him at any time throughout this movie <laughs> uh, but uh and that's it and then we get our ending text that says uh there was a ufo and some shit and uh everybody who survived is still a survivor Hooray. (laughs) 
And that's yeah, how weird that's maximum overdrive. So are you guys ready to talk about our favorite reveals in maximum overdrive? Yeah, let's do it. So here's what I have. Uh, Green Goblin, I guess. Yeah. So right after the bridge scene, we get the introduction to the Green Goblin truck driving down the road. And he's kind of like our... If there is a main monster and it is the trucks, that's him. Um, then we get some yeah. other things like the like the uh, video games, the electric knife, the lawnmower, the ice cream truck. Um, anytime there's like a machine that starts to operate on its own, I guess that's kind of like a monster reveal. Except all the trucks, because there's so many trucks and like a truck's a truck. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, there's like the the turret truck and the steamroller, the tow truck. You know, but I guess all the ones that are circling besides the the Green Goblin truck. Yeah, I guess they're all the same. Mine is the Green Goblin truck anyway, because it just looks really cool. Yeah, it is very. uh, It's one of a kind for sure. I vote for the Green Goblin. Okay. Is that it? <laughs> yes. Okay. All right, Zach. Um, I'm going to go with the soda machine. Spitting out cans of oh, yeah. uh, soda. Oh, that's good. Um, because that's just. Because that's what you remember just, from when you were a wee lad. From when I was a wee lad. That's what mm-hmm. I remember. Um, <laughs> and you get that cool, like anytime like those machines were starting and like going off, you get that cool music cue. Friday yeah. the 13th what is that? and I, I don't know I forgot to mention that but it fucking kept th- it threw me off to be honest with you because it was so thank jarring. you for bringing yeah. that up yeah what is the instrument what is that it's probably it's probably a synth or something it's so intense and I <laughs> yeah. was like my brain couldn't like compute when it heard it I was like what it's is this weird. sound it was like kind of like metal yeah. scraping but it was not that Yeah, it's very unnerving. That's for sure. Okay, well, now it's time for a segment that we like to call The Real Monster. Run, run, run as fast as you can. You can't catch me. I'm the gingerbread man. You're a monster. I'm not the monster here. You are. You and the rest of that fairy tale trash poisoning my perfect world. Now tell me, where are the others? Eat me. All right, I'll just get right into it. My real monster is uh, bosses that take advantage of their employees. Mm-hmm. I'm talking to you, d- Yeah, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Who is that? Is that your old boss? Uh-huh. Is that, is that defamation or libel? No, he, he knows he's a piece of shit. Okay. He's fine. Uh, my real monster, I have three. I have anyone who breaks safety protocols at work 
especially in a movie set where, as we mentioned earlier, things are moving quick. There's a lot of machinery. Um, accidents are bound to happen without keeping things in check. Uh, my second real monster is drug dealers. I mm. am very anti-drugs. Um, that doesn't have anything to do with weed. Maybe I'm being um, a hypocrite, but weed... <laughs> I don't see that as no, a gateway 20, drug. It's 2023. Nobody gives a shit. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to smoke a little bit of pot, smoke a little bit of pot. Now that is not to say that if, if someone is suffering from an addiction, now that is a, that is like, that's not your fault. That is a culture that has invaded your personal life and affected you. And that's a completely different conversation. Drug dealers. That's my second real monster. My third real monster is the grill. It was gross. That's it. The end. Yeah. Bow. That was I would nasty. not eat at the Tipsy Boy. <laughs> no. Dude, we used to have this mm-hmm. this little diner slash store. Um, it was in Lake City, Casey. I don't remember the name of it. We were kids. But my mom took us in there one time. She would never take us back. They had like, there was like this little store. And then they also had like a bar where the guy would like cook behind it and whatever. Mm-hmm. And... It was like back in the, I don't know, the early nineties, I guess it was not completely outlawed yet, but it was getting there. But this dude just had like a cigarette mm. hanging out of his mouth and like, it was fucking mm. cooking eggs and shit while he's cooking. Yeah. Oh God, it was so gross. Um, yeah. yeah. I forget the I name like of that, that adds place, flavor. But. I kind of miss, I miss, I don't like smoking cigarettes. I think cigarettes are gross. But there is like this element of like certain places like you need a guy smoking a cigarette. It's like this. It's like it's like anyone. It's like a good cast iron skillet. There's some seasoning there. Yeah, totally. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I want some tobacco seasoning in my diner food. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay, I have a few real monsters uh, for maximum overdrive. I've got outer space. Okay, just because it's fucking Mm -hmm. scary. Um, not that it's like a monster per se, yeah. but it's scary because it's so huge. I just saw, oh my God, I just saw a video where Neil deGrasse Tyson was talking to this lady about how much of the universe we've like explored, right? And she said that mm-hmm. if you, as like for a comparison, if you took like the whole universe is like, compared it to like all the water on earth, everything on earth. She said, we've explored one 12 ounce glass. Hmm. Isn't that insane? Yeah, Zach, it's really funny that you mentioned that because Cody is really into kind of like nature documentaries, whether it's Mm. about space or just like things on here on earth. But we were watching this, this documentary on space and galaxies and universes and and whatnot. And I straight up had like, I thought I was going to throw up because I started thinking about time and how, like, I was like, wait a minute, how is it possible that there was a beginning of anything? If you really think about it, (laughs) how can there be a beginning where did it start? Yeah. Oh my yeah. god! I mean, I have like a fucking. Panic attack. <laughs> I can't even talk about this. See, it's a monster. I'm telling you. 
Um, it's but crazy. Also, it's the tr- it's the real the real monster of space. You're right. Yeah. The deep sea. Uh, the deep sea. Yeah, that's creepy. Mm-hmm. That's creepy. Yeah. Um, Which we've also only explored five percent of. So I do have another monster. I have is uh, Casey to go along with yours. It's Hendershot, the boss for exploiting his workers. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got the gross Bible salesman as a real monster. Um, but my number one real monster of maximum overdrive is Bill for wiping his face on that old nasty ass fucking towel in the bathroom when he's talking to Joe. I didn't notice. Dude. It's like one of those like cloth towels that is just like permanent. While Joe's pooping? Yeah. And it's just like hanging in the bathroom. And it's like, you know, those really old like uh, style of like hand dryer instead of like before paper towels, it would just be like a fabric thing that was continuous and it would just roll and cycle around. He fucking wipes his face on it. Mm -hmm. And I almost fucking puked. Oh my God, that was so nasty. Yeah, I mean, they're good with eating at the Dixie Boy. Why wouldn't they be wiping their face on those nasty towels? You know? God. Oh, it's a universal uh, wipe. So that's it, you guys. That's maximum overdrive in a, I want to say nutshell, but I also want to say like engine. <laughs> that's maximum overdrive in an engine. Um, do you guys have anything else to add about Maximum Overdrive? No. Um, Not really. I, I honestly feel like we had a pretty like comprehensive uh, breakdown and analysis of this movie. I'm pretty proud of this. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, listeners, we want to hear your thoughts on Maximum Overdrive. Find us on Twitter and Letterboxd at I Met Your Monster and on all other social media channels at How I Met Your Monster. Um, tell us your thoughts. Tell us, uh, if you liked the movie, if you didn't like the movie, talk to us about Emilio Estevez, Stephen King, uh, just let it all out. This is maximum overdrive. Go in to maximum overdrive on social media and, That's uh, right. and let us know. Um, okay. now guys, where can our listeners find you two on social media? Uh, you can just check whatever you might be feeling like uh, being on the social media. You can just uh, type in at Wolf Mother Casey and see if I'm on there. I might be. I might be. I might not be. I don't know. She's mysterious. She's mysterious. Danny, what about That's you? Right. That's right. You can find me on, uh, on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Danny Salem. Uh, it's Danny, D-A-N-N-Y-S-A-L-E-M-M-E. That's M-M. Not MN, it's MM, like the candy, MMs, uh, melt in your butt, not in your hands. Wonderful. Cool. Just wonderful. And you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Zach Winsick. Now make sure to join us next episode because we're hitting the road again with more semi truck suspense. I thought this triple feature was about car trouble. We have two semi movies yeah. in a row. Come on. Whoops. Um, But we're watching the 2001 thriller Joyride starring Paul Walker, Steve Zahn, and Lily Sobieski. Um, So you don't want to miss that. Um, And as always, thank you all for listening. Now go meet some monsters. Monsters.